are you are you ready to make some like legit predictions uh for for 2024 i'll, I'll we... do one can i do one real quick <laughs> <laughs> lithium has to rally lithium has, yeah. has gotten beat up hardcore this year um i think it's down something like 70 percent from 2022 to now what what's caused that uh, near-term overproduction, um, a little bit of bearishness on in the EV market. And that's not to say that the EV market is shrinking. It's just not growing as fast as they were expecting. There's still, like, like record numbers of electric vehicles are being sold, uh, and they're breaking records monthly. It's just that it didn't quite meet expectations, and, of course, what happens, uh, people start to panic, and uh, lithium prices fell from $70,000 a ton down to, like, the low 20s, which is insane. That Ooh. should be good for you know, the car that's, producers, though. That's a, that's a buy. Yeah. For sure. So that's, that's a simple one right there. Hello. Welcome to the annual Angel Research Podcast predictions episode. Okay. I'm here with Alex Quiffman and Brian Hicks. My name's Jason Freer. And um, let's jump right into it with a review of last year's predictions episode um brian you want to start i think we had a a, a prediction that the market was going to be up big yep. and you were pretty close not quite there but right well i should let me start off by saying that when i made that prediction um every pundit and talking head on wall street was calling for the for 2023 to be a disaster for the markets um Inflation was high, um, rates were going up, um, sort of uncertainty about the war, and they all called for, you know, a, a sort of a brutal bear market and a brutal recession. And if you don't believe me, this is a, just, I, I printed this out this morning. This is a clip from, um, uh, from Bloomberg, uh, where they published this in early, um, early July of this year. And July is a very important month because when I made my prediction in November of 2022, I said the markets, S&P 500, NASDAQ, um, the Dow, and Bitcoin were all going to be up uh, for the year. And I made a prediction for the S&P 500, which is the broad-based index, was going to be up of around 24 to 25% for 2023. Um, from January of this year to July of this year, uh, the market got as high as 19%, pulled back uh, for various reasons, but the biggest reason was uh, the 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 attack on October seventh in Israel, um, it has bounced back since, and it's now currently up sixteen percent for the year. The Dow, which I think I predicted was going to be up around twelve to fifteen percent for twenty twenty three, got as high as seven percent by July. It's now around six percent for the year. The Nasdaq has blown away all expectations. Um, I had it going as high as the same as the same as S and P five hundred around twenty four twenty five percent. In July of this year, it was up almost 40% in seven months. Uh, it's currently at 34%. The way things are going right now, I expect it to go back up to around 40% at the end of the year. Uh, the big surprise and maybe oh, the big winner and maybe the biggest surprise was Bitcoin. If you recall, and maybe we can just show a clip of that, uh, I said that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies were at a bottom. Like some of these strong hands are just are are not just, you know, uh, folding their cards, but they're actually going, they're going bankrupt. So where's the bottom then? Um, I think uh, the bottom right. I would say I I think the bottom's happening right now. So buy. I would be a buyer. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's pretty it's been pretty negative um, over the past week. So, uh, and I I just tell people to zoom out because. But I'm not know. a crypto buyer, though. I'm not a believer. Uh, well, in theory. In theory. I didn't expect it. I didn't predict it to double, but it Bitcoin has basically doubled. Has doubled. Uh, since that call. Yeah, it was about 15, 16,000 when we recorded that, and it just broke 37, I think it's settling 36,000. So, right. And I think we all were in agreement that it looked like a, there was like epic negativity on Bitcoin. There was a super time. fear. It, it was, was like, just like, there was no way. That, people thought it was gonna go away. Yeah, and so, um, and like the contrarian uh, thinkers that we are, that's when you, that's when you buy. What do you think of Brian's predictions, Coifman? Um, do you think they were good? I mean, yeah, it seems like they've panned out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, and it, keep in mind, though, it's not like we're saying that you have a, a crystal ball, per se. You just are looking at what you see out there and reacting to the mainstream and pretty much doing the opposite. Well, I, look, you have to look at the market two ways quantitatively and qualitatively. And qualitatively meaning you have to look at market psychology, okay? And when you see extreme moments of fear, like we did at the end of last year and in March, February and March of 2020 over COVID, when the market sold off and people literally thought it was the end of the world, that's when, that's a text, that's when textbooks are being written yeah. about that's when you should have bought. And you know it was. I'm not saying it was an easy call, but it was it was it was a call that if you read the history books, the same patterns were were, were playing out again. So um, I loaded up. You know I loaded up on a lot of things, and I didn't sell in July when the market topped this this past July. But I I started buying again um, in, the, in the past month. So I've been I'm, I've been adding to positions because I think. I think the market's going to be up again in 2024 and in 2025, barring a black swan event like a nuclear exchange. Right. Okay. And we, um, one of the things we discussed heavily at that time was, you know, the war in, you know, Ukraine, and uh, you had some choice words about Putin and. Uh, I don't remember what I said exactly. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's so, kind of out of but the news cycle now. It, now it's like it's not even, it seems to have turned, and because everybody's focused on Israel yeah. and, and, and Gaza. Um, is that, you know, what's your prediction for next year in, in terms of these global geopolitical effects? What's my prediction for what's going on in the Middle East? Um, I think are, are we actually going to have a World War III, or are we already in it, as our friend uh, Jason Simpkins thinks? We're in basically I, I don't War think that it's, there's, there's going to be much ambiguity um, as far as World War III goes. I think we're going to kind of know it. It's going to be hot. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hot. Um, I, I think what's going to happen is uh, the conflict in the Middle East in the Middle East is slowly going to fade out of the news cycle also. There's going to be probably a ceasefire of some sort. It's going to get quiet for a while, and then Hamas is going to do another attack, and they're going to get bombed again, and it's going to keep going on and on and on forever. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but, yeah, I think that that's never going to stop. Um, as far as driving the markets, uh, I think it only drives the markets in terms of panic, you know, and the panic has sort of subsided, right? Like right. We saw there was an immediate response. 
after October 7th, and people are slowly starting to get used to it, for lack of a better word. So uh, right now, I think a bigger issue for the world isn't the war itself, it's all the protests going on everywhere. So that's going to cause, and I think that was the point of the Hamas attacks, actually. That's, and, that, and that's not really even an opinion, that's fact. They, they know, they knew what they did, and, they knew, and why did they do it? Because their, their, the response that they were going to elicit is going to create the and they're hoping conflict. to galvanize people for their for their calls around. Sure, the, of around course. The world. I mean, their 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 weapons are ineffective. Their best weapons are, you know, images of dead babies. That's their number one. And the more the more dead babies they generate through the Israeli response, the more effective their attacks are. So, that's how it works. Uh, and it wasn't. I'm not saying that it was surprising, <laughs> but man, you know, who who's who's manufacturing all these Palestinian flags? <laughs> Like it was like ready, as soon as that as soon as it happened, like the the printing press just went into overdrive. So you're bullish on flag making. No, but I'm what I'm, what I'm saying. It's the paper Jordanian companies. flag minus the star. Right, but so. no, what I'm saying was like the, it seems around you know especially Western nations, you know there was already like this bubbling of, I want to protest. I need something to protest yeah. about. <clears throat> yeah, and they got it. Because yeah, um, when I was in, I, w- I just got back from Amsterdam, and on Sunday, uh, we were going to the Van, Go- uh, Van Gogh Museum, and we had to take a different route to Van Gogh because there was, <coughs> I don't know, forty thousand protesters in the streets. The protest started as a climate change protest, okay, yeah. and then it morphed into a pro-free Palestine protest, and both sides were fighting each other. <laughs> well, one side was probably a bit outnumbered, wasn't it? Oh, the climate definitely were the climate protesters way outnumber the the, the Palestinian protesters. Really? Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. Because I think it was a scheduled climate change protest. They were, Wait, they so were the climate to change it. was fighting the pro-Palestinian. So group. behind the Van Gogh Museum is there's there's this big park, and after they did their march, they all sort of settled in there. And I was watching them from like from the Van Gogh Museum, and I could hear them. I could hear like the the people speaking. Saying so, this is not a political protest, you know, calm down, and because they were trying to get they were trying to um, get order back because the Palestinians wanted to wanted wanted to turn it into that protest, but it was a climate change. stealing attention, stealing attention, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. And the Van Gogh was probably worried about the climate guys coming in and trying to destroy uh, priceless art. Isn't that what they do now? You know what? <laughs> I, that crossed my mind. It did, but there was a pretty big police presence around. On the streets and around the muse- the museum, for sure. Excellent. So, so let's um, hop back in for. Are you are you ready to make some like legit predictions uh, for for twenty twenty four? I'll, I'll do can... one. Can I do one real quick? <laughs> I, lithium's has to rally. Lithium is, yeah. has gotten beat up hardcore this year. Um, I think it's down something like seventy percent from twenty twenty two to now. What what's caused that? Uh, near-term overproduction, um, a little bit of bearishness on in the EV market. And that's not to say that the EV market is shrinking. It's just not growing as fast as they were expecting. There's still, like, like record numbers of electric vehicles are being sold, uh, and they're breaking records monthly. It's just that it didn't quite meet expectations, and, of course, what happens, uh, people start to panic, and uh, lithium prices fell from $70,000 a ton down to, like, the low 20s, which is insane. That Ooh. should be good for you know, the car that's, producers, though. That's a, that's a buy. 
Yeah, for sure. So that's that's a simple one right there. Uh, it's not going anywhere. Obviously, we all need it. We all we all have cell phones and laptops. Right. But you're, them. I mean, you're also exploring these. Like, are they? Would they say they're lithium alternatives, or are they more just like additives to like uh, no, produce the, thing the efficiency? Is, well, lithium for the most part is going to probably stay the the key cathode material. It's just that they're going to make improvements to other components of the battery like the electrolyte is going to become solid state and Toyota is working on that it's still a lithium based battery though so right so lithium's not going anywhere not probably not anytime anytime immediately even graphene batteries almost all graphene batteries in existence today still use lithium so it's not you know it's not probably going to fade away for at least you know until the end of the decade I would say it's it's going to be I would say probably in the 30 to 40 thousand dollar ton range is what we should be averaging from now until 2030 yeah because even just a year ago it was oh like lithium shortage you know there's like this mad it's still there yeah. it's still there it's just the public perception is sort of a little bit well as it always is it's skewed you know we still need it there's still a deficit there's still you know we're going to be needing it more and more and there's going to be less and less being produced um pretty much for the foreseeable future even with this huge discovery in nevada oregon border and mcdermott caldera so yes, um, lithium is a buy. Is I would it say. is it still um, are electric cars, electric vehicles, still the driver of that, or do we got like utility scale batteries? Like they're the primary driver, but everything else is going to obviously is you know right. wireless devices, uh, distributed energy storage, all that stuff needs batteries. So, but EVs, yeah, it's just. With all the the mandates in Europe, uh, they're just canceling. You know, like by the end of the decade, a bunch of countries in Europe are gonna they're stop yeah, well, selling what's ICEs. It, well, is it Sweden that basically made the incentives so <coughs> warped that you would be just silly not to buy an electric vehicle? Um, not Norway. Not sure. Norway. One of those. Well, Norway, I don't want to mix up our Norwegian. Norway friends. is they're they're stopping internal combustion engine sales, uh, like consumer sales by twenty twenty five, which is wild. Jaguar is halting production of gas gas vehicles and that's jaguar you know it's like a luxury brand performance cars across across the board like you're no longer going to be able to get a no more no more gas powered jaguars by really like anywhere in the world well they're not going to they're going to stop manufacturing them yeah wow i feel like that might be a collector's item <laughs> are you going to go on you're a porsche guy but you gonna go in on a on a Jaguar, uh, the last I, ICE Jaguar. I mean, as an investment. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Yes. Probably not. Right. Seems like a. Well, you know, Amsterdam. You know, everybody was telling me it was a bicycle economy, and there were, you know, there's there's one bike bicycle for every citizen resident in Amsterdam. So there's like over a million bicycles, but there are still a ton of cars. Right. And um, I did notice a lot of electric cars. The one thing I did. Because I've talked to a bunch of the locals there, the one thing I uh, did notice was a lack of charging stations. Right. So you you would have these historic long Amsterdam roads with like and you know I don't know, say fifty cars, and you would only see one one charger on that on yeah. that road. So um, and I was watching all the commercials and they were talking about how some of these rapid chargers from the UK are now penetrating the um, the Netherlands market, so I think that's going to be probably another big, play, uh, big, big market for the EV market is is um, charging stations and installing charging stations. But I think I told you the 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 whole transportation system in 
Amsterdam is, is wild. And I, it took me a couple of days to figure it out, to be honest with you. So you have, you know, you have pede pedestrian lane, and you can't leave the pedestrian lane unless you're going to go to another pedestrian lane. Besides that, but beside that, you have bicycle lane, and beside that, you have car lane, and each lane is crazy heavy, like in terms of traffic. And if you try to cut in, if you try to like, if you try to walk. You're going to get clipped. You're going to get clipped. So do people have to have, like, blinkers to indicate that they're changing lanes yeah, when they're bicycles, walking? Yeah, bicycles actually had stop uh, stoplights and green lights. Yeah. And well, I heard should drunk, have those here. I heard drunk biking is a big issue over there. But, but they were super aggressive. Yeah. Um, if you didn't follow the rules, they barked at you. Um, and I found that the, the, the drivers of the cars were actually nicer than the, the people who were riding the bicycles. It was, it was really, it was, you know, coming from America and then going there, it was, it was pretty wild. It took me a while. Like I said, it took me a couple of days to figure it out. Um, and my daughter actually had to tell us all the, because she's, she's there now, had to tell us all the rules. Right. And I thought she was bullshitting, to be honest with you. I was like, no, no way, man. Wait, so they have pedestrians, actually, they're controlling pedestrian traffic. Yeah. Like, people walking. Yeah. Well, it's like a sidewalk. Right. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like there are rules and stuff. And, and there are times the there are times when the pedestrian sidewalk is so thin <clears throat> that only one per, like it's a one line. One, one line and you got a single file. Yeah, single Jesus. file. Yeah. Uh, they're training them well. Is it big enough to contain like a fat ass? You get, like, come in. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, what were some of the other culture shocks from from being over there? Oh, well, um so we ate super well and the food there like I haven't ate the food there just seemed cleaner in terms of ingredients taste portion sizes are a lot smaller than they are yeah. in America yeah. um, like I would get a, I would go get a cup of coffee and it'd be literally like a half a cup of coffee and that would be like just there were no small mediums and larges just one. it was just one universal size <laughs> and I'd be like what the fuck am I going to do with this right I have to order five of them um, so it was uh, I never and I, I didn't go into these cities th like w with an agenda but between Iceland and Amsterdam I only saw four homeless people on the streets only four and it got me thinking to the point where I actually googled it and one of the one of the first articles came up was um, why do you see so few homeless on, in Amsterdam? And there are a myriad of reasons why you don't. Um, and I'm not saying there aren't homeless, but you don't see, you know, tent encampments. I never got approached by somebody asking for money, ever. I was there for 10 days. Uh, as you know, Jason, we can walk down to uh, M&T Stadium where the Ravens play. It's a 15, 20-minute walk. How many times are we going to get approached? I mean, at least 15. At least 15. Yeah. Um, if you leave the city, if you leave our office and go to 95, you take MLK, MLK Boulevard. How many tent encampments do you see? It's a lot. It's a lot. I didn't see any of that in Europe. I've heard UK has the same problem as we do, but at least where I went in Iceland and in the Netherlands, I didn't see any of so it. So what were the reasons? Well, I mean, one of the reasons that they don't, they just don't put up with it. They had so what do you do to them? They, they, them? they ship them out. They ship them out. Where? No one knows. No one knows. <laughs> they have shelters. Um, and But we have shelters here, too. That's what I couldn't figure out. 
Yeah, but they kick the they'll kick the them out during the day and and you know I guess to find jobs. But the the problem is they're they're so far gone that they 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 can't really function. But I also it. but I also checked like the homeless rate in Amsterdam and the, the Netherlands is crazy low. Yeah. Not nothing like it is here. Nothing like it is here. So uh, more of a social safety net. I think. Well, if you if you. If you Google the what are the top ten happiest nations in the world, they're all Scandinavian nations. Yeah. <laughs> America's fifteen, um, but there has to be some sort of psychological element to, to why we are so. There are so many drug addicts on our streets, so many homeless on our streets, and you don't see them in Scandinavian countries. And I don't think it's, I don't think socialism is is the answer. I think that one element is that we have a ton of veterans in this country, way more than any of those countries do, and the rate of mental illness in the veteran community, you know, PTSD, all that stuff, um, that is one reason. That definitely, I'm not saying that that's the primary reason, but I think that drives it. They yeah. don't fight as many wars as we do. It's possible. Possible. Although, if you go to Kensington, Philadelphia, I don't see, I'm not sure how many veterans are Well, they all claim to be veterans. They all claim to be veterans. all of them. In the, on their signs, they're all, all veterans. So big, it's good timing for this because big news yesterday was that, what, there was no rise in CPI month over month, the lowest CPI number um, right. in two years, I guess. Um, what, is, what does that mean for the rest of the year and next year? Is, is, has inflation peaked I think it's peaked peaked and where where does it go are they going to are they going to keep interest rates where they're at for now and you know how is that cuz i think the the last time they had massive inflation that they were fighting they sort of started cutting rates too early and i think it seems like they're not going to do that this time because they're worried about a resurgence in, in inflation well I, look you know it 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 corrected itself okay Prices were so high, people started to pull back. Right. Okay, um, they weren't buying electric cars as much as they thought. I right. Guess. Exactly. Um, you know, instead of you know, instead of a leather leather seats in Alex's car, he got you know cloth seats. He wouldn't dare do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think uh, you know, credit card debt is is I think it's rising. record high. It's rising. Yeah. Um, and so there's going to be a pullback. You know, uh, rising prices correct spending. So you get, there's going to be a pullback. There's going to be an increase in savings, um, and then at some point the Fed's going to want to um, stimulate saving, yeah. uh, or not saving, buying, spending. Yeah. And so they'll do that by dropping rates. And so I think the next couple years, in my opinion, um, is it's going to be it's going to be very very bullish for for the markets. Um, the only caveat that I I will say is. If and I don't, you know, when we when we were in World War II, Alex, did we know that we were in World War II? Did we call it World War II in 1941 and 1942, or did uh, we call it afterwards? Ben Affleck and Pearl Harbor said, "I think <laughs> World War II just started," but I don't think they they did that until several years into it, right. maybe or even afterwards. So that's what I'm thinking is that we are in World War III, and we won't call it World War III until uh, universally call it World War III until probably a year or two from now, right? Um, and, you know, wars are a drain on a lot of things, and they're a drain on industrial metals, and that, that's why I'm very, very um, bullish on commodities right now. I think we're in a commodity super cycle, 
if you look at some of the, because we're going to have to rebuild cities, we're going to have to rebuild a lot of cities and towns. And uh, if you, you so you think it's gonna you think that World War Three is gonna follow the World War One World War Two model where major powers are actually killing each other because right now only one major power is directly involved in anything right <coughs> right yeah I mean, we're supplying weapons to everyone yeah I mean but you know Chinese are too. we're definitely involved we're definitely involved I mean we're bombing Syria right now um, but to get back to my original to my point if you look at Things like cement makers, Cemex, the Mexican cement manufacturer and maker of all things cement, they're up 90% this year. So I think um, I think that's going to continue for 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 a while. I think building steel, uh, uh, copper, copper, cement, oil, gas, all that is going to be in a bull market for for the next couple years at least. So. Right around this time last year um, was the release of ChatGPT. Um, and I don't think we discussed it at all because it was still brand new. So mm -hmm. it's only been a year since it's been out, and it was 3.5, and now it's upgraded. There's a, what, is, what is the future for AI, at least in the near term? I mean, we've already seen tech companies pulling back on hiring and saying they're replacing people. How big of an impact is, is AI going to have? Um, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty much ubiquitous. You know, it's going to be like internet. What effect did yeah. internet have on the world? Yeah, it changed everything. the world completely. I don't think that it's going to put everyone out of work. I think that it's going to it's gonna make a lot of people way more efficient. Right. It's going to probably accelerate progress in a lot of different areas, for sure. Um, there's going to be a lot more bullshit out there. You know, people are going to be creating content more and more and more now. Um, just more empty content, a lot more stuff to see, a lot more distractions. Uh, an, an old buddy of mine from childhood just started uh, an AI venture that's doing stock analysis. So, you know, I mean, that affects our business directly right there. Uh, I, but, you know, I talked to him on the phone a couple days ago, and... He said specifically, and he was adamant about it, this isn't putting anyone out of a job. This is just going to make you better at what you do. And so right. my optimistic sort of view on things uh, is telling me that uh, it's not the end of the world. It's just it's going to make a lot of inefficient things gone, and it's going to make a lot of things better, I hope. So that's that's my view on it. As far as investments go, yeah, it's going to be huge. It's going to be another, it's going to be another tech boom probably. Yeah, I mean, the, the way I look at it is the internet, at first there was the dot-coms. It's like, oh, if you had a website, you would, you're worth a billion dollars or whatever, pets.com and, and, and all that. But then it just became part of the landscape. Everyone had to have a website. They had to have an online presence. So just as such, everyone's going to have to utilize AI oh, yeah. in, their, in their business. But then consumers are also going to have to, the way everybody kind of knows how to use a smartphone now, you know, that's only 2006, 2007, um, and people know how to do all this. Um, they're going to have to know how to interact with AI and know the pitfalls of it as well. So there, there's definitely going to be some people, the blockbusters, and that get left behind. Um, so investment-wise, you know, we have to avoid those, but then, you know, kind of make big bets on, on the ones that are going mean, to increase about it, efficiency. You know, it's, it's, it really is... You know, 
just another evolution of creative destruction, right? You know, since I've been in this business, there's been various events where this has happened. Was what one was the internet, the smartphone. How many industries did both of those technologies put out of business? A lot, right? Certainly changed the landscape of newspapers and journalism. Yeah, but you know, but how many industries are contained in your in your iPhone, in yeah. your smartphone? That are that used to be um, standalone industries. You know, you don't see Polaroid anymore or Kodak or, or whatever. You know, whatever. Um, it's 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 the exact same thing. It's going to be on this. You know, AI is going to consolidate all these various industries into this one singular, you know, technology. And you know, you know, I was talking to my daughter, and she's getting a philosophy degree, and she's sweating, you know, graduation because she graduates. This is you know, next year will be her last year, and, and I was like, learn as much as you can about AI, and just get super proficient um, with it because that is going to be because you're gonna you're gonna be using it every single day, absolutely, in my opinion. Um, so that degree would have been useless 200 years ago, though philosophy probably I mean how, how do you make money well there's a lot math? of um, ideas out there that understanding language and interacting and not that philosophy but yeah things like philosophy English the more like I wouldn't say the non hard sciences are going to be more important communication is well, ever important in the world when you know coders could be out of business because of AI you know, there was a there was a time. It wasn't too long ago where something like half, I don't know if it was half, but you know, there was a good chunk of the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies all had a classical education, classical degrees, and I think, you know, one of the arguments can be made is you know study history because that's where you see patterns. You know, patterns don't change. What changes is the technology changes. Human nature doesn't change. Okay, they just they adopt new technologies. Um, we're killing each other right now, and we're going to continue to kill each other, but just with different technology. Okay, so once you understand sort of the base human emotions—fear, greed, love, hate—all that stuff. Once you get master that, all you have to do is just learn the, you know, understand that, master the, the technologies that are going to control that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a. Uh, you know, there's, I always tell my kids, get a really good base education on just about everything. You know, whether it's a, a classical education, a, a philosophy, um, or whatever. Because a lot of the stuff that we do here, you can learn on the job. We do learn on the job. Okay, I didn't become a great writer in college until I got out, got out into the workforce. I didn't, I didn't become a good stock picker and market analyst in college. I did it after I got out of college and started working at, you know, at these firms. So, and that's what I'm trying to, these kids think they have to, whatever they major in, that's what they have to do. That's bullshit. Okay, get a good base education on everything, and then when you get out into the field, then start to specialize. Start to learn the things that are, that's going to be expected of you. Well, there seems to be this trend of almost over-education these days where there's less people entering the trades everybody has been told that they need to have a college degree or a master's or a PhD and there's a bunch of PhDs out there that cannot find jobs in their gender studies 
uh, career. Um, and there's a lack of... How do you of, apply that knowledge? There's a lack of plumbers, carpenters in, in the trades, and, and you can not go to college, learn that trade, and, and make a very good living now. Um, what is your most negative... What, what are you least bullish on or most bearish on going into next year? What, do you, what should investors avoid? That's a good question. S- sitting in cash, being on the sidelines? Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to go out on a limb and say the real estate market. Okay. I, I, I really think and I pray to God that it's peaked out because in, in, what's in going on even even where I live in the sleepy little town. So you're talking about residential? Yeah. Specifically. Right. Well, housing. You know? Yeah. I mean, Greenville, Delaware, who wants to live there? And yet real estate prices are up like 40% over the last three years. And even with the interest rates. Yeah. I mean, my notes here, last time we, we did this. Uh, mortgage <clears throat> rates were about five percent. They're now closing in on eight percent. Yeah, but they pulled back. They pulled back dropped. a little bit. Yeah. I think because they think the rates are going to come down. Um, you know, you talk to people who bought houses in the '80s, and they're like, "It was fifteen, seventeen percent." Like, what are you whining about? Um, of course, they, the houses they paid off their loans back then. Well, that and the houses uh, were only thirty-five, forty thousand dollars for for sure. a starter family. So, um, so you're. So you think the prices are just going to come down? Uh, no, um, I, I think, I, I mean, I don't know if they ever, do they ever really come down? I mean, Well, there needs to be probably, yeah, a, a higher unemployment. There'll be a, there, there needs to be higher unemployment so that people and foreclosures, I know foreclosures are going up, um, particularly actually in the commercial real estate, which I think is more of a, um, a negative side. A lot of people seeing. are working from home. Right. But yeah, I think that there's no way it's sustainable. I mean, I've I, I go on Zillow, even though we just <clears throat> we just bought a new house. I still go on Zillow every day, and houses flying off the market. Like you know, they're on the market for two or three days, and boom, and they're they're going for like ten, twelve percent higher than list price. Yeah, it's so insanity. it's still still happening at this level of interest rates. Yeah, which makes me think that it, it's unsustainable. And yeah, if you're probably real estate investing for residential real estate is what I would avoid and will. Right. So. Michael. I would say commercial real estate right now, um, but at some point it's going to be a buy. Yeah. Um, but <coughs> I, I still think there's still more pain to be felt um, in commercial real estate. Well, we just uh, about ended our lease in Baltimore yeah. uh, that we had for a while, and um, that building is not um, not very full. It's not like there's someone coming in right behind us where we were. Yeah, and I think that I think if I'm not mistaken that our that old building was bought by a REIT, right? Yes. Yeah, and they dropped a lot of money in renovations. So um, yeah, A R E P. I'm not sure if I don't public. remember. Yeah, American Realty. Right. Something. Yeah. But I talked to a lot of people, and um, it was an excellent constellation built a whole new, a, a, bu- a new building mm-hmm. down in Harbor East, and opened right before COVID, right? And so that building, which was, you know, a beautiful modern day uh, um, office building, my friend told me it's still pretty much vacant. So uh, because they just can't get anybody to come back, come back into the office after after spending two years at home in their pajamas doing work. So, yeah, the government seemed to be. Uh, ramping up some mandates for federal and state employees to come back to the office, I think because they're seeing the impact of the the cities that 
you know, the commerce is slowed in those cities. You know, the lunch crowd is smaller. But see, like exactly, like when 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 an office building goes goes dark, vacant like that, there's 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 a ripple effect on that local economy. Because um, when when I was down there about a, a couple of weeks ago, there were a lot of eateries and restaurants that are no longer there anymore. And in our specific area here, you can tell there's a lot of places. Mount Vernon in Baltimore used to be a thriving cultural neighborhood. It just feels dead to me. It just feels dead. And, you know, I don't know what's going to bring that back. Um, the, only way, the only way it's going to come back is if people come back to the office. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So. All right. Well, I uh, appreciate you guys joining us for our annual predictions episode is there any is there any final prognostications you wish to make either of you as we as we head out do you have any um uh predictions on what the orioles are going to do next year are they going to are they going to make it to the world series no i mean that's that's such a i don't know <laughs> oh you're, you're, i would you're, say in the next 5 years they do yeah for okay. sure yeah you're you're very confident on your market predictions and less so on your baseball predictions well you know you're dealing with personalities there and <laughs> other you know it's just i mean who would have thought the texas rangers would have basically ran ran the board yep. in the in the postseason so um, but yeah i like our i like the orioles odds for sure and i was also liking the ravens odds until this past sunday I got, I got two. Yeah, man. Later. Um, IPO market will hopefully bounce back. I think next la- year. I think last year you were saying you were you were starting to make some big bets. Um, I made, I made those private, bets in the private markets. Yeah, and they're still, they're still all private. You know, and right. the reason they're not going public is just because you know why go public in this yeah. kind of atmosphere. So they're probably, I'm hoping twenty four, twenty five. Uh, it'll resurge and I'll be able to get out of some of those. So I think the next year, though, I mean, this year is just like a, a bottom for the IPO market. You can yeah. see how many companies went public. Yeah. It's it's just sad to look at. Next year, it should start to bounce back. And my other bet is that Ovechkin won't break Gretzky's record. He won't? Won't. Will not. Okay. You have any, I'm gonna, you have I'm any inside? In you, have any years, ins- but you have any inside info on that? <clears throat> Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> talk about it. So, <laughs> an interesting thing about these predictions episodes is, you know, one of the most visited uh, clips on our YouTube channel was Brian's predictions uh, last year, and um, you can follow the comments uh, <laughs> along based on how the market goes. So, you know, early on, people were, you know, basically shitting on your predictions Mm -hmm. and then as the as the market slowly started coming up people got silent and then people came out and were shitting on the people that were shitting on it and then back when we you know when we had a pullback people jump out so people love um to kind of be armchair quarterbacks um but that's what we're here to do is make predictions right and and to let our readers know where we think the market is going. Um, and well, I'll, I'll make a prediction right now. I'll make a solid prediction, a specific. So I'll, I'll just go with the S&P 500. I think the S&P 500 and the Dow are going to underperform the Russell. Okay. I think, uh, I think next year is 
the Russell's pretty much flat for the year. Yeah. And I think, uh, especially with the commodities super cycle um, unfolding, most of most of the commodity stocks are, are, are usually like small cap stocks. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think next year, next couple of years are going to be golden years for, for the Russell 2000 and small caps. Um, however, I do think the S&P 500, they made a high. If you look back in the past three, three or four years, the high on the S&P 500 is 4,766. We're back flirting with that number again. We're yeah. around 4,600. The low was in 2022, which was 3586. Take the difference, add that to the high. We get a S&P 500 of 5,946. That's a 31% gain from today's levels. Okay, I don't know if it's going to happen next year, so don't hold me to that. But I think it's going to happen in the next two years because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of things going on in the next year or two with the elections and the, yeah. and the wars. Um, but I, but I think, based on technical analysis, based on market psychology, based on fundamentals, uh-huh. I think the markets are going to be up over the next two years. One of the things we didn't mention about those gains is it seems to be driven largely by a lot of these mega, mega caps. So I'm assuming that's your sort of reason for thinking the Russell is going to come back because mm-hmm. really s- some of the pullback has been in these larger stocks, but none of these smaller companies have really yet to run like they have um, in, in, in prior cycles. Um, well, I was, looking at, you know, I was looking at the defense industry stocks. And if you look at the mega caps like the, the Lockheed Martins, they're either down or they're flat for the year. But the small caps, the mid caps in that sector are all crazy this year. So I think that's going to continue in the next year, to, you know, in, into the next year or two. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would be, I'm not bearish, I'm bullish. Excellent. Well, thanks, guys. That that wraps up our, our predictions. I have one final prediction that, that proof of aliens will will be released to the public in the next 12 months. Undeniable proof. Wow. Yeah, big prediction, huh? I'm here for it. Don't worry. It'll all be okay. Uh, thanks again. Remember to like, subscribe, and give us your comments, whether you think these guys are full of shit or if you are going to be following their predictions again. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.